The season review is in session. What up, Dub Nation, for another episode of the Catch and Dubs podcast. We're your host, I'm Ethan, and I am joined by my duo, my splash bro, and my co-host, Zach. Um, my guy, I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious at this point that this season is an A+, no questions doubt about that. So how are you doing, my guy? Sleepy. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, um, the Warriors won the championship. Fourth, Larry OB in eight years. Um, so A plus, A plus it is for the Warriors. But they have a lot of things to do this off season. Have some business to take care of and tend to. Um, with some free agents and some players needing extensions, if possible. And the NBA drafts tomorrow. So, I mean, talk about a little bit about everything in this episode. So, let's get it rolling, eh? eh? Yeah, 100%. Um, like I said, uh, the season is a guaranteed A+. plus. But instead of just reviewing the season, I feel like it's best to kind of, like, grade the player's performance throughout the year. Uh, I'll start off with Steph, right? He broke the three-point record. Um, it was considered to be as like down here in quotes. Like he still had 25 points, six assists, and five rebounds. But you could say it wasn't his best shooting year, especially with going on that tour date uh, slump in December-esque when he was trying to chase the record. I give him an A still just because of what he did in the postseason and breaking the record in this season for the three-point record so I feel like that's a pretty fair grade I mean that's an awesome grade for Steph with an A I feel that's a I think that's a pretty proper grade for Steph that season for this season A no comment just A he gets okay oh yeah and then for I'm just going to go down the list too Clay Thompson right um I gave him an A too yeah I mean it's pretty self-explanatory too right because Clay Thompson came off of two devastating injuries and he averaged 20 points per game um, when he came back. It was like 30 game span. Um, we know that his lateral quickness wasn't there and that kind of showed on the defensive end, especially in the playoffs a little bit. But with an offseason rest and a full season to get back into shape, I feel like Clay can go back to his 2019 self if um, the screws are right. Um, when it comes to Draymond, I feel like it can get a little controversial here because I feel like um, what Draymond does is not shown on the box score. It's mostly what you see on the court. I gave Draymond a B or a B minus grade. Um, I know he had an all-star nod, but I feel like his offense fell off the cliff, especially when coming into the season. We were kind of expecting Draymond to have an offensive more impact like we saw in 2016. But his offense wasn't really there. And although his defensive prowess is still the same, he was a defensive player of the year, um, him being out kind of cost him that chance at the title. So, I mean, I feel like a B is pretty fair for Draymond. I don't know what you think for, for Draymond. Oh, of course. You're just going to give A's to everybody? Like, you're like the Oprah, huh? Like, A's for everyone. You get an A. You get an A. Is that? <laughs> they won the championship. Everyone gets an A. 
I mean, that's true. I agree with that. But everyone gets an A. I agree with um, that. Granted, Draymond was out for maybe almost half the year. No, not even half a quarter of the year. Um, so I don't know if you want to. That's true. That I, I your, yeah, uh, I put that in consideration. Consideration. Yeah, I was kind of. I just thought of like regular season and then postseason. I feel like postseason was like an A minus because. Um, it was inconsistent. And then the regular season, it was a little bit of like a B minus B season because he was a little, he was coasting a little bit, but also he had that defensive player of the year conversation that year. So I feel like if you average that out, it could have been a B. Uh, when it comes to Wiggins, I would give him an A because of how he rejuvenated his career in Golden State. He's in his third season in Golden State. I feel like he has come into his own. He has unlocked that two-way potential that drafts were kind of anointing him as is like not like the new LeBron, but like someone who can defend and have an offensive game. Uh, he was crucial to the Warriors' success in the postseason, in the playoffs, in the finals. He was arguably the second best player. And he fits seamlessly with the dubs, and he still has a lot of room to grow, especially when it comes to playmaking. But he really has solidified himself as like a top five two-way wing in this league. So um, an A grade for Wiggins, I feel like that's pretty self, I don't say self-explanatory, but I feel like he earned that. He's earned um, that grade and whatever extension he could have next season. Not next season, but when his contract comes up. Hey. <laughs> okay. When it comes to Kevon Looney, I would say an A minus. Uh, he is a definition of an Iron Man and a star in his role. He played every single game, and he was undeniably the reason why we won the Memphis series. Um, what do you call star in his role? Like I said earlier, um, the Warriors came in this season with question marks regarding size, especially with Wiseman going to be out. The Warriors not signing any free agent bigs. Uh, Looney basically covered up those weaknesses. Granted, it was a team effort, but Looney, as that modern-day center, defending on every single position, being a great rebounder on the offense and defensive end, I feel like he hid those weaknesses really well, and it helped them really solidify why they were champs this season. Hey. And priority number one for <laughs> bringing back this offseason. Kevon Looney, priority number one. Go back to Andrew Wiggins. Um, he's a free agent next summer, but I'd like to possibly see an extension, him signed to an extension this year that he completely deserves. I agree. But um, when it comes to value, right, I feel that's a lot of things. That's a, like a term that's thrown out there. What's the value you think for Wiggins and Looney? I feel like there is a market there for them. Uh, Kevon Looney's going to get a lot of money somewhere, or he's going to get paid more than I think the Warriors want to pay him. Um, I don't think he's worth more than ten million bucks um, a year. Um, I do not have the media contract details of what he was signed to in twenty nine uh, after the twenty nineteen season. But I know it was a three-year, ninety-five. Yeah, something million-dollar deal. Um, Andrew Wiggins, obviously, he's getting paid thirty million dollars a year. 
but probably a two to three year extension. And then obviously Jordan Poole will also be on the uh, priority to do list. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Poole, he has an A grade for me. It was a breakout season for Jordan Poole. Um, he was basically the starting shooting guard for the Warriors when Clay was out. He basically came into his own, especially with the story. You look at him, he came in from the G League, um, basically like a third team all G League last season, came into this season with high expectations from the Warriors and um, the fans. I would say I feel like people were pretty high on Jordan Poole, especially what we saw last season. And he took that next step, which makes me excited for what he can do the years later on because he's only 22. Um, although he has a lot of things that he can work on, especially defense, especially we saw how he got exposed a little bit on the defensive end. Uh, but he has all the tools necessary to make that next step. And I feel like he can be that two-way all-star later in the future. So I love what I saw from Poole. The Warriors also priority is to extend Poole because if not, uh, there's going to be a lot of teams out there that are going to be knocking at the door to sign Jordan Poole if the Warriors do not extend him this offseason. Next, we got Otto. Uh, I gave him an A-. minus For the veteran minimum, he was a phenomenal pickup. We talked about this earlier in the season, of how Otto Porter was such a steal for what they got. Although he kind of load-managed a little bit in the season, uh, he was great for the role that he was given. He brought a great shooting, great physicality, and great basketball IQ that was sorely needed from the Warriors bench that we were missing from last season. We look at Kent Bazemore, Ubre, Wanamaker from last season, and we had a huge upgrade with Otto. Um, I don't know if the Warriors can re-sign Otto, but if Otto is willing to take a discount to stay with the Warriors, hey, open arms. But um, who knows? Do you think Otto is going to stay with the Warriors this offseason? Yes. Um, he, he took less money last year from – he turned down other teams to come to the Warriors. And I think the Warriors have enough money, which they will, and they'll probably pay even more in terms of the luxury tax – why not? And I think the Bob Myers have made it a certain that he wants to bring every single one of these players back to run it back for another one. And guys like GP2, Iggy, or not Iggy, Otto, Jordan Poole, all those guys want to come back and play for the Warriors. So, I mean, yes. Okay. And it kind of brings me to GP2. Um, grade him an A. I know we give a ton of A's, but I feel like all these guys basically prove themselves this entire season and in the playoffs. GP2 was that defensive stalwart that the Warriors needed. He came in on 10 days, and he was cut from this team earlier in the season. And we were clamoring to got Avery Bradley on this team instead of GP2. And good, good goodness that the front office didn't listen to the Catch and Dubs podcast, and they listened to their guts and stayed with GP2. Uh, he's going to get the bag from the Warriors or whoever wants to give him the bag. He proved that he's going to be that defensive stopper. He can stop one positions one through four. And he was very valuable to the Warriors and he fit in this role perfectly. So 
Another priority for the Warriors is to sign Gary Payton the second along with Looney. So um, yeah, that's my grade on GP2. If you agree with that, Zach. Hey. And then let's go to Nemanja Bielitsa. Um, oh, I <laughs> yeah, this Gary is where Payton, it... first headline for Gary Payton the second is that the Lakers could snag him. Knock it off, man. Knock it okay. off. Like <laughs> Lakers are irrelevant. Not a playoff team. Um, oh well, and you're not getting Kyrie, so continue. Yes, okay. So Nemanja Bielitsa. Um, this is where like the A's are pretty much not really there anymore. I gave Belly a B minus because yes, indeed, for the veteran minimum, the Warriors got what they wanted—a stretch five big who can space the floor, shoot the ball, um, and pretty much be that offensive spacer if the Warriors need that punch in the five. The problem is, was after that first game of the season against the Lakers, Belly pretty much fell off and not fell off, but like pretty much disappeared from the rotation. Although he did have moments here and there, I feel like his play um, was very inconsistent, wasn't as good. But for the veteran minimum, um, he was still a, a very good pickup, regardless of even if he was played off the court sometimes. When it comes to Andre Iguodala, I gave him a C minus. Um, I know he came back just for maybe that one last hurrah, and it was pretty much a perfect storybook ending for Iggy. Getting that fourth ring, um, nothing really left to prove. I did love him when he came back, but he didn't really do much on the court. It was mostly off the court stuff. Coaching the rookies, bringing that, invaluable veteran leadership that the bench needed. I feel like that's the main reason why he was so successful uh, on the bench compared to on the court. That's why I gave him a C minus. Um, but I mean, great career for Iggy if he decides to hang it up, but if he wants to come back, Hey, again, open arms. Um, I don't want to really go too much into like the bench guys, but like, for me, JTA is a C, Damian Lee, D plus, Kaminga, B minus, Moody, B, B minus. Um, if you really want to touch upon that, it's your it's uh, your goal, my brother. Everyone gets an A, like I said okay. before. Everyone gets an A. <laughs> and GP2, Otto, and Loon are number one priorities with re-signing. Then you go into the phase of extending Andrew Riggins and Jordan Poole. Um, and... Bring it on! I'll bring it on anyone. Um, if there's any openings for bet minimums, ring chasers like the Warriors experienced in 2017 with David West, um, yeah, Matt Barnes, um, Nick Young in 2018. So, yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of free agents, but it depends on who the Warriors want, especially with that luxury tax. So they got to play it. The Warriors have to play it smart and pick. The per like the right free agent for them. They're not just going to spend money just to spend money, if that makes sense. Quote Bob Myers for that. So um, it depends who's out there in the free agent market, and yeah, who fits basically. Joe like Joe Joe Lacob's got a handle. He's got the money for it. Yeah, um, I mean they basically had seven hundred million dollars in revenue this season, so yeah, that he, takes care of it. He's, 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 <laughs> he's, he's not afraid to pay the luxury tax and. In my honest opinion, the luxury him doing this is a, setting a standard, a good standard for the league because you look at it, 
Joe Lacob's doing anything that he can to better the Warriors and make sure that they win more games. Luxury tax therefore benefits small market teams. It, it just all works. It, when this he's doing this, it's working for the NBA. It's setting a good standard for other teams in the league, and I just don't understand why teams complain. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. But I think the only like reason that the thing was brought up was because Winsort said in Game Five that it was a checkbook win, yeah, which makes no sense. Which makes no sense. But like you know, there was discussion about it on Twitter. It's we check, have all it's a checkbook game, man. Okay. Well, the Warriors actually were down two to one in the series, so they had to win game five to have that three two series lead. I wouldn't call it a checkbook game, I'd call it a do or die game five game that's gonna dictate the rest of the series. Checkbook game, man. Oh my gosh. I mean, if we're talking checkbook, uh two years ago, people were calling Andrew Wiggins the worst contract in the league. So I really don't want to hear that it was a checkbook win. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it's just. I mean, I think the biggest problem people have is the fact that one, it's the Warriors, and they've had s- tons of success. Um, and I think the Warriors face this problem because they have three guys on the roster who are the core and the identity of this franchise who take a bunch of the cap space on this roster in Steph, Clay, and Draymond's contracts. Therefore. And, oh, I forgot. Andrew Wiggins' contract, too, because he gets paid $30 million a year, um, which he is starting to live up uh, live up to. I wouldn't say $30 million, but he's in the 20s range. Um, and then you're going to have to add on a Jordan Poole contract, which is probably going to be anywhere from four years to 100 to $120 million. Um, and then GP2 is going to get paid, and the Warriors are going to pay him. They're going to have to pay Looney. And they'll have Kaminga and Moses Moody, who'll still be on the rookie deals. And tomorrow night, they have the number 28 pick. So, I mean, and then they'll have, they have two second round picks. So there's still a lot of business to tend to and a lot of housekeeping before the start of next year. I just feel like there's not too many people um, paying attention to it focusing on it because the Warriors just won a title. I mean, they're back on top. So, I mean, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Speaking about the draft, I feel like, yeah, two, yeah, I mean, that three P we we're discussing, but uh, the drafts, basically, the drafts today um, when Tomorrow. this recording gets released. But I feel like the 28th pick, you know, kind of brings a little bit of good fortune. 28th pick was Jordan Poole. So. Uh, he was going to steal my line. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was I wasn't planning on it, but Jordan Poole was a 28th pick. Um, do you think the Warriors are going to trade that 28th pick, or do you think they're just going to stick with it? No, I think they're going to use it. Um, I think there's still going to be a lot of talent on the board. Um, I think no matter what, the first-round pick will probably be an end-of-the-bench guy. I don't see him getting a ton of minutes, but I think – he won't get a ton of minutes from the fact that if the Warriors bring everyone back, um, I think James Wiseman is going to be probably splitting minutes with Loon or playing more minutes. Um, depends on how he played in summer league preseason. There's no setbacks. Fingers crossed. Jonathan Kaminka and Moses Moody are definitely going to get a ton more minutes. Um, they're going to depends if they them. earn it. Oh yeah, like Bob Myers said, it depends if they earn it. I don't really care if they earn it. I want them to play. 
Um, they'll probably sneak into the rotation of where Damian Lee was in the rotation last year and take some of their minutes. Um, yeah, so I don't think their number 28 pick is going to get a ton of run, but those two second-round picks are, without a doubt, going to be in Santa Cruz for the rest of the year, for the major- majority to the entirety of next season. So, Okay, so um, if we're just probably going to focus on that 28th pick because I feel like that's those second rounders really won't have much of an impact, like you said. So who do you like think the Warriors should get? Is it going to be a need-based fit, or is it going to be just best player available? I think it'll be best play- player available. Um, I think there's been multiple names I've seen through many NBA mock drafts. Um, Jake LaRavia from Wake Forest, um, sharp shooting power forward, is a name I've seen quite a bit. Jonathan Gibney from ESPN um, had him in the Warriors mock draft for number 28, as well as Kristen Peake from Yahoo Sports. Um, Jake LaRavia shot 38% from three last season, 78% from the line, brings a strong feel to the game and an intriguing playmaking ability defensively. He's also 20 years old, has additional upside, um, and can maximize his talent, become more assertive perimeter shooter. Um, from the highlights I've saw seen from him, Wake Forest wasn't a very good team last year. In that ACC tournament, he knows when he can turn it on, and I think you you have a sharpshooter. You saw with Jordan Poole. He was a sharpshooter in Michigan. He comes into this setting with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson on his team, and he becomes even better. You put a sharp, put another sharpshooter on the team and see what happens, even if he's a power forward. Um, then Nikola Jovic, not Jokic. But they're, <laughs> both, they're both from Serbia, um, is a forward. Um, Sam Vecini from The Athletic, um, to quote him, um, says the Warriors won the title in large part because of their depth of talented guys across the positional spectrum. Um, he wonders that if the Warriors could look to potentially stash someone who might be willing to stay overseas, which is what Nikola Jovic would be, um, and have him overseas for a year or two to develop and then come over to the Warriors when they need another cheaper option. Um, he's six foot 11, high basketball IQ. Um, He's been targeted in the early 20s, uh, mid-20s, and could be there at number 28. Um, Patrick Baldwin um, from University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, power forward um, from Jeremy Wu at Sports Illustrated. Um, He says that the Warriors are working to trade this pick. I've also seen rumors saying that the Warriors could shop this pick. I don't think so. Um, Baldwin has elite elite athleticism, defense, and he has a lack of physicality um, that draft analysts say inspire concern, but he is a very, he is a knockdown shooter and is valuable and would be very good in number 28. Uh, Kevin O'Connor from the ringer says Krishna Coloco center from Arizona. Um, this would make sense with James Wiseman in question. Um, and Christian Coloco is a raw prospect, so I don't know if the Warriors would want to take a risk on that. But, I mean, Jonathan Kamingo is a raw prospect, and look what signs he showed. Um, and then two names. I also have Christian Braun from University of Kansas, another knockdown shooter, and then Wendell Moore from Duke. Um, unlikely he'll be there at 28, but, I mean, if he's there, I'd take him if I was Bob Myers. 
I mean, any guy with um, Duke next to his name is a hell of a player. Yeah, I mean, Duke has a reputation of having NBA uh, talented players. Um, But when it comes to the draft, I feel like, you know, the Bob Myers has an interesting situation, especially when you have the old guys, the core three, and you got Moody, Poole, Kaminga. I was wondering, because I'm not really, like, following the college stuff, do you think the Warriors might lean more towards, like, the forwards, trying to draft forwards because they already have Poole, Poole, Moody, and, yeah, Poole and Moody already? So, like, I feel like... I think so. I think... Jake LaGravia is such a popular name because he's a sharp shooting power forward. Um, but I just think, I'm not sure. Um, I think Christian Coloco was another name because of James Wiseman in question. Um, but there have been a lot, a lot of uh, wings and guards listed to the Warriors. Dalen Terry from Arizona, Wendell Moore, like I said. Um, point guards like Andrew Nemhard from Gonzaga. Um, and Walker Kessler is another name from Auburn, who's seven one, I believe. Yeah, seven one, two hundred fifty six pounds, seven four wingspan. Um, he lacks athleticism to be a great rim runner like James Wiseman, but the Warriors wanted to target a big. I think Kessler would be a good target in the first round. I don't know if he'll be there at number twenty eight, but to answer your question, I'd probably go with more size, even though the Warriors proved that. Yeah, they don't really need size. With they don't really need size with how good Looney is uh, as a rebounder. I mean, you just look at what I noticed during the playoffs run. It was when Draymond was on the floor by himself. The Warriors were poor um, rebounding the ball. When Looney was there, it was locked down. The Warriors were second possessions. Second possessions were unlimited. If limiting other teams to not having second possessions, Kevon Looney had that unlock. Um, and I think we'll have to see from James Wiseman, but I still have belief that he can figure it out. He's only 21 years old. And I think if I see some bright spots during summer league preseason, um, I think the Warriors are in a good spot, but there's a part of me that I think this draft class is, I think a lot of drafts are guard dominated, um, dominated like NFL drafts or wide receiver dominated on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, there's just so many good guards. I don't know. I mean, and the benefit of drafting the guard is that they're going to learn behind Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Jordan Poole. Yeah, and if they want to draft the four, they got Draymond Green. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, so the, the, whoever the Warriors draft at number twenty-eight, if they do not trade the pick, they're in good hands. So there you go. I know we talked about James Wiseman. Um, do you think he's under a ton of pressure going to into the next season? Do you think he's under a lot of pressure? No, he's twenty-one years old. I don't think he's under a lot of pressure. I mean, I think if there's another setback with his injury. I think yes, but I don't think there will be. I think he just needs to show everyone what he can do. And I think a summer league is such a good place to do that. And I think it was bummed to see him not play in summer league last year, but I think he just think about it. Moses Moody played excellent in those minutes that he got in the postseason. Jonathan Kamingo was very good during some parts in the regular season. 
you put together those three on a summer league team, man, it's going to be – the Warriors are going to be very good. I mean, I don't know why I'm talking about how good they're going to be in summer league. But I, mean, <laughs> I just think I just think James Wiseman is going to flourish with those two guys next to him. That's okay. All. Okay. Um, but I just don't think he's under a lot of pressure. He's only 21 years old, and through the during the COVID year, where there are no fans, there were he pretty had a long leash. He yeah. had a long leash still. There were some he flashes like... where he showed what he could do at an extremely high level. And I still remember that game against um, Minnesota. The Pistons? Against oh, Minnesota is it the other game? That I was reminded on Twitter today where there were he was running up and down the court, rim running, playing. He's just – he was such a raw prospect coming in because he played almost no, almost no college. I, I just don't think he has any pressure, and I just want to see what he can do. And I think through the flashes he showed in 2020, 2021 year, I think I think he's going to be in a good spot. I think he's going to be okay. Do I think if the Warriors bring back Loon, he should start over Looney? No, no. I think he. I think you have a second unit of Jordan Poole. G, I'm getting way too ahead of myself. I don't even know who's coming back next year, but I think James <laughs> Wiseman. We'll just wait and see. Wait and see. Yeah, James Wiseman uh, has has the talent and he has the tools. It just depends how he looks, right? Is if he gonna if he's gonna take that Jordan Poole leap? I mean, things are gonna look bright for the Warriors. I mean, not bright, but even brighter for the Warriors. So I'm not real. You know, I've said this before, but I'm not really a James Wiseman believer. Um, I know that might be a little hot take, but. Um, I just want to see what he can do. I want him to prove me wrong, and I just got to wait and see. So He's going to be fine, and Steph says that he's going to be the next MVP. So, oh, well, let's see what happens. Just remember that the Warriors are light years ahead because currently they have Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and then they have the next generation of Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, and James Wiseman. Like Mike Breen said, on Thursday, last Thursday night, the Warriors dynasty isn't over yet. It's far from over, baby. That'll conclude episode number 104 of the Catching Doves podcast. Uh, appreciate all of you for listening. Um, off-season episodes will um, be every couple weeks now since there's not much to talk about, but we'll probably see you next Um Recapping the draft and free agency, I'm guessing, probably. Uh, free agency starts July 1st, I believe. Um, but NBA may have some monumental changes this year. You know, Kyrie, KD, who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, the GM's going to be working his magic. But all we know is that every single team in the association is trying to beat the Warriors and dethrone the Warriors next year, but the Warriors are going for three-peat. Now I'm talking on a tangent, um, but NBA draft tomorrow. Um, the Warriors have the 28th pick, and they have two second-round picks. They say fly girls have more fun. So what? So you should enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah. You should enjoy.